Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to the family room. This is John Gordon and I'm here with all of my compadres. Mari, how are you? I have a compadre today. A compadre today. <laughs> Craig? I'm great. We're going to have another, and God willing, uh, is a great series of conversations with Father John Bartunik. And he's helped us with a lot of different topics, but we've been getting questions from listeners. And there's some questions I think that would be just a good way to launch in. But before we take a, a headlong dive into that, maybe Father, you could just start us in prayer. I would love to. Great to be back. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of our faith. We thank you for the gift of the truth that sets us free. We ask you to bless this time together. Bless our listeners. Help us to be open to receive an outpouring of your truth, uh, to understand it more, to rejoice in it. Uh, we ask you to guide us as we choose what questions to speak about so that we can help most your people. We ask all of this in the precious name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. As John just said, we've been talking about five essential elements for Christian discipleship. And Father Bartunik, we are appreciated so much you really breaking these out for us and helping us recognize how they will help us live our life of faith and just live our lives, right? Because those are supposed to be together at all times. So we've covered prayer and sacraments. We also covered mission last time. And that episode actually aired on June 21st. So if you're looking for it in our podcast, you can find it there as well. Today, we're going to talk about learning more about our faith. And so what's interesting is some of the questions that came in from our listeners, because listeners, we would love for you to send questions in for Father Bartunek to respond to. Um, some of those questions that did come in came in around our faith, faith type questions. You can send those questions in to the family room at thequestatlanta.com. So once again, the family room at thequestatlanta.com. So Father, one of the questions that came in has to do with, there's a very prominent bishop that made a comment basically that was, um, there's hope that most, if not all people are going to go to heaven. And the question was, if that's the case, why do we bother to evangelize if everybody's going to heaven? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I can I can uh, share some thoughts on the question. Although I, I'm not, I don't know specifically what statement is being referred to. So I would always, anytime you hear someone said, "Wow, this bishop said this," or "This bishop said that," <laughs> mm. first thing is actually go and find out what they actually said, what the context was. Yes, because more times than not, you know, it 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 might be. It might be misunderstood. You want to go to the sources. That's right, a really good so, point. Yeah. Um, but here, there is there is a, a kind of a, a universal question that comes up a lot. Um, well, how many people will be saved? And mm. and if it's possible to get to heaven, even if you've never heard the gospel, then why do we even have to preach the gospel? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so how do we reconcile those things? Um, it's not up to us to reconcile those things. It's up to God to reconcile those things. Mm -hmm. What do we know? That he has sent us to make disciples of all nations. Yeah. That we as the church are his hands, his mouth, his feet. We are called to bring the gospel that he died, suffered and died to reveal to us. We're called to bring that, to live it ourselves and to bring it to everyone. We're called to do that. And we know that if we love people, we want what's best for them. And 
It is much better <laughs> to live your life in friendship with the one true God, mm -hmm. with grace, with hope, with knowledge of the truth. It's better to live that way. It's more fulfilling. It's more, uh, it's more complete. You're, it, it, you're happier, right? So it's a better. So if we actually care about people, we actually want them yeah. to hear the gospel and accept the gospel. Yeah. Because it's better. I remember uh, a very mundane analogy. Um, when I was in seminary, our vice rector, he's the guy who's in charge of all the buildings, you know, the like okay. building maintenance. <laughs> so this new product came out. I'm dating myself a little bit, but it was this magic spray that you spray on your shower so you don't have to clean your shower anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember he, we, were, we had a little conference and he brought this bottle. He says, this is going to change your life. <laughs> he was so happy, you know, because if the brothers weren't cleaning their showers, it got, you know, yeah. so it's going to change your life. He was just really happy to share this incredible new product with everybody because it was going to change your life. Yeah. That's the gospel. Yeah. Jesus is real. He actually has a plan for your life. He has forgiveness and mercy that's going to transform yourself, your life. He has the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are going to make you wise, make you joyful, make you fruitful, give life meaning. Even on this earth, it all starts even now. Yes. So the point of the gospel isn't to kind of squeak under the tag and slide into heaven. Right. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, that the ultimate point is eternal life. But the point is to live in relationship with God so that we can have abundance of life. So I think it's kind of a false opposition. Mm. We don't preach the gospel um, just so people kind of can squeak into heaven, right? We preach the gospel because this is what God has revealed to us about how to live life as he meant it to be lived. Uh, and whether, you know, in the end, you only have Christians in heaven. And if someone never heard the gospel on earth, but in the way that God's blessings and grace reached out to them, they responded courageously and they responded with integrity and they go across the bridge of Christ without even knowing the name of Christ. It's not up to us, right? right. To, to judge God for that. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that the key is to understand what the gospel really is. Yeah, uh, that John ten ten right? Christ says that I came that you, you may have life, life. and yeah. have it more abundantly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. One fundamental thing, and I mean everybody knows this, but we have to acknowledge there is a God. We have to acknowledge there is Satan, and there's a heaven and a hell. If you can reconcile those, then you can say, well, then why do I need it? Because I want more people to be in heaven. And then people ask, well, if God's so loving, why is He sending people to hell? My God would never do that. What about that question? Yeah, that's another. That's always a, that's a tough one, right? So uh, you think about it. If I offer you a gift and you don't accept it, um, that's your responsibility, right? Yeah. And God respects us as created in his image. He doesn't force us. He offers us the gift of a relationship with him. He offers us the gift of mercy. Uh, he offers us the gift of forgiveness. But he's not going to force us to accept it. And there's a huge mystery here. Why would someone not accept it? Well, one of the greatest angels, right. you know, who's now Satan, yeah. right. the angel, he, he didn't accept the gift and you know, eternally condemned. This is a great mystery. Um, but the love itself is what gives the gift and what, what gives the capacity to accept the gift. Uh, That's one of the things as human beings created in the image of God, we actually can love. We can enter into a meaningful relationship with each other and with God. Um, spiders can't do that. Mm -hmm. Spiders don't have free will, self-awareness, creative intelligence. We don't have it, right? We're, he created us not to be spiders, but to be human <laughs> beings. Yeah. And, and it's, 
and that gift itself is a gift of his love. Um, so I think that's the that's what's most important to keep in mind. There's a related question that came in. One of the listeners uh, had this question on the cross. Jesus forgives those who are killing him, even though they have not repented. Doesn't that suggest that he would uh, also that we would also all be forgiven without repentance? So again, mm-hmm. here it's in a sense if God uh, forced everyone into heaven. Uh, if he forced everyone to accept his gift of mercy and of forgiveness, then it would no longer be heaven. It would no longer be a gift. It would be like, you know, creating a spider. It just does what spiders do, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a mystery of human freedom involved here. The gift is always being offered, the gift of forgiveness. Just Jesus forgave them before they asked for forgiveness. But they still, each one of us has to decide whether or not we want to accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where the spiritual battle comes in because they're, you know, the enemy, uh, the evil angels or the fallen angels, they don't want us mm-hmm. to accept the gift. And so they sow lies and confusion so that we become suspicious. And so it gets kind of complicated, right? which is that, that ties in a little bit as well with uh, every Christian's called to be a missionary. We're all called to bear witness to the goodness of Christ so that we can help people want uh, to receive the gift, to accept it. Yeah. It, and one of the things you just said, I think it's important to recognize there are evil. There is evil. There is evil. There is a there is Satan and mm-hmm. he does have demons and he does. He is after us and he wants to separate us from God. And I, when I think of hell, I think of eternal separation from God because all that is good is only good because of God. So that's I mean, hell, right? It, that's mm-hmm. kind of separation. So if you haven't taken the gift, haven't ex- received the gift, haven't accepted the gift, haven't chosen to take the gift, you are choosing to separate yourself from God. Is that too simplistic? Yeah, I, no, and I don't think it's too simplistic at all. It's you know that's what hell is, right? It's living eternal frustration, really. Yeah. You know, we're created to live in communion with God. If you choose stubbornly and persistently throughout your life um, to you know re- re- refuse the gift of living in communion with God, then God's going to respect that. And it's hard for us to fathom. You know how to do that. I think one of the best for any listener who who's wrestling with this, who wants to go deeper, one of the best um, treatments of this is in a little book by C.S. Lewis called *The Great Divorce*. Oh yeah, uh, and he explores um, the state, kind of an exploration of purgatory. Actually, C.S. Lewis wasn't a Catholic, but a very very well educated, very eloquent and gifted Christian writer. But *The Great Divorce* and and it gives an image a little bit of. Uh, of what it would be like in hell for someone and how distorted it is. Uh, there's a whole theology there. What what actually, because they actually still exist. So in a sense, God is still holding them in existence, mm. right? So God never takes back his gifts, his original gifts. Uh, so his love is present even there, but they're turning away from it, right? They're not accepting it. Um, and then another one of C.S. Lewis's great treatments of this spiritual warfare, probably the best one you can find is the Screwtape Letters. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. A, a, a series of letters written by a, an experienced demon to his rookie nephew mm-hmm. about how to tempt people. And it is brilliant. And it really helps understand some of this dynamic and how these things, God's love and our freedom, heaven and hell, how it all kind of can fit together. Yeah. I don't want to guess too off track, but I do. I feel like I need to make a plug, though, for the movie Nefarious. Because when you talk about the screw tape letters, anybody who saw that movie, and if you haven't seen it, and if you can find it someplace, I don't think it's in theaters anymore. But that's pretty amazing, showing you truly what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Um if somebody has been possessed and if somebody mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. you know, open themselves up to the, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that work. It, it feels to me like it's a little bit easier to understand the rejection of the gift 
if you think like, okay, here's the gift, like this is classic in IT people, like it, I'll take it to practical, right? So there'll be this awesome IT program and you take it to your IT department and they look at it and they're like, yeah, we can do that internally. And what ensues is mayhem, right? Because it's trying to do what it was supposed to do. It doesn't do that. And I think about God saying, here's this gift. And we're like, yeah, we know, but I think I got a better way. Yeah. It's almost, it, it's almost more insidious because it's not like a, just like, I'm going to punch God in the face and say, no, I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that, but let's try it my way. My way. It's yeah. to me, that's just even scarier, but, but it reminds me of like the, and if you're IT, I apologize. I'm not trying to dis, dis on you. You're brilliant people. You always want to do it. Your IT department is great. But anyway, so look, if you're just joining us, we're not talking about technology. We're talking, we're in the family room. We're talking to Father John Bartunic, and he's answering some great questions for us. And I think we're going to move now into the into the next phase. Mari, what, is, what do we have coming up next? Well, I think we do have a few more questions. Oh, do we? Though, okay. Right? Yeah, I think because we're going to be talking about um, the next element, which is learning more about our family. Faith, and I think we do have a couple of questions about that. Um, Father Bartunic, um, for example, this one sounds a little simple, but I guess it's not so simple. Why does the Catholic Church recognize the baptism of other Christian denominations, but not their marriages? So that was kind of an interesting question. Yeah, so here we're going into the nature of the sacraments and the authority of the Church to kind of determine what's an, what's an authentic sacrament and a guardian of the forms of the sacraments. Uh, the question is a little bit, um, it's a little bit more complex than appears. So yeah. the, the essence of baptism, all the sacraments have form and matter. Okay. All right. So, uh, and the sacraments were established by Christ. So baptism, uh, the, the matter is the water, the water that's flowing or sprinkled or poured. Uh, and then um, the words of baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all that's required. Okay, so it's a very simple sacrament. Very simple. It's the most basic sacrament, right? It's mm -hmm. the one upon which that's what makes you a child of God. So it actually enables you to receive the grace of the other sacraments. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. one that any of us can perform if necessary, right? Absolutely. That's which would then make it valid that another faith could do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, so if you do that, if you baptize and you have the intention of doing what the church does, it's a valid baptism. Even a non-Christian can baptize someone validly. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... If you just, you know, that's all it takes. It's like, because it's the most basic one. And so it's the simplest. And it's funny, you know, the water is just the most common element, right? Yeah. So it's real simple. <laughs> it's real. And the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so that's baptism. So we recognize any time, any baptism, you know, with that's done with that matter and form is a valid baptism. The seed of grace is planted in the soul. Uh, when it comes to marriage, the the requirements, the form of a marriage has changed over the centuries. Um, you know, the matter of marriage is the commitment, right? The commitment of the, the union of the two people, their will, their commitment. The form, the actual formula that it takes, um, and uh, uh, how many witnesses have to be there, okay. uh, where you do it, that's actually changed over the, uh, those are kind of stipulations of canon law, and they've changed over time. Why have they changed over time? Well, um, there were some abuses in different periods of the history of the church. You know, you're out on a date and you really like this person and they really like you and, you know, things are getting really interesting. And you say, will you marry me? Yes. 
let's marry, let's get married. And then you're married. And so then you can spend the night together because you're married now. No witnesses, no record, mm. <laughs> right? So, and so then two days later, oh, no, that was a nice night. But no, I never said that. Mm. I never said I'd marry you. What are you talking about? You're making that up, you know? And what do you, you know, all kind of problems ensue from that, right? So it's not all just the words like with baptism. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah. there's so, so that, so the church has created a certain form of marriage to protect because marriage is, uh, you know, it's, it's the sacrament, uh, of the family. It's the sacrament of, uh, you know, of kind of the, the incarnation, the Trinity, the Trinity of these, this communion of persons. So it's the sacrament, uh, where new life comes from, right? So it is important and it, and it has implications for the whole community. So the church has, has kind of specified some form um, to make it to make it valid, to protect it, to protect the dignity of the person, uh, to protect the dignity of uh, of that union, to protect the community and the new life that springs from that because it matters. There's a lot more that could be said. There's a lot behind uh, sacramental. So, um, if two Christians who are not Catholics marry and there's full consent and full knowledge of what they're getting into and there's no impediment for that union to, to take place, then that is a marriage. And if they're baptized, it's a sacramental marriage. It, they're not required, they're not Catholic, they're not required to have the form of the Catholic Church, right? But it's the marriage happens. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what the questioner is saying. Other Christian denominations would not recognize their marriages. I'm not exactly sure what they're referring to there. Because even non-Christians can have a valid marriage uh, if, you know, if if the union actually happens and the commitment actually happens, right? Yeah. So that can be a valid marriage. So when someone, um, yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of cases, right? But uh, so I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. Do any of you know what they might be referring well, I mean, to here? I, I think, number one, we do recognize that as a valid marriage if right. it's all those things. Otherwise, they wouldn't have to get, if they were marrying into the Catholic Church, they wouldn't have to get an annulment right. from their previous right. marriage. So we do recognize that they're married people. But I think the context here is, we don't recognize them as a member of our church, married as a member of our church, if they don't go through the specific form that the church has constituted. Because anybody that's Christian, not Catholic, coming into the church, they have to say their vows, they have to go through and have the witnesses and do all the things to make it a valid Catholic marriage. Is that not right? Mm, I think it depends on the case. Okay. I think it depends on the case. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm not. We'd have to kind of go case by case there. But to be Catholic, uh, you know, it's it's not just baptism, right? There's there's baptism, um, and then uh, you know, Holy Communion and confirmation uh, and your first confession. Those are this is you know sacraments of initiation, right? So then you're a full member of the church. So it's not just baptism, mm. but you can be a full member of the church without ever getting married. Right. Marriage isn't, uh, it's not a sacrament of initiation either. So. Oh, so you're still a full member since you're not I'm married. still. Okay. <laughs> exactly. so. I suspect yeah. it has an element of what you talked about when you're saying, I'm not sure who said, you know, all people go to heaven or most people go to heaven. I think there's probably an element of that. Well, there was a scenario where somebody heard that a, a non-Catholic marriage wasn't recognized by the Catholic Church and may have painted with a broad brush also, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you, mm -hmm. Yeah, that could be, that could be. Or it might, might have been a Catholic who married a Protestant and did not uh, marry with uh, the Catholic form of marriage, I didn't get the dispensation from the bishop. Yeah. And so that marriage is not recognized, not recognized because as a Catholic, you have a responsibility to, yeah, so that might be what they're referring to. Uh, and that's why it's because the form and the matter of the sacrament are both required. Interesting. So stay on the theme of marriage since we're there. Another question. 
It's okay to have mass outside sometimes, but according to this uh, caller, I'll call them, uh, why can't Catholics get married outside of a church building like going to the beach? Ah, yeah, the marriage on the beach or the marriage in the forest or the marriage on the yeah. on the, the wedding in the, in the, in the, the backyard. Moon, <laughs> in the backyard or, yeah. Uh, well, you can if you receive a dispensation from the normal form. Okay. Um, you need to ask for that, and you have to usually have a good reason. Um, so why would so the real question is, uh, why is the normal form in a church? Why do you need a special dispensation to do it somewhere else? Uh, and that that ties in again with the nature of marriage itself. Um, marriage is sacred. It's a sacred union of two children of God, uh, from which, God willing, a new life will spring. So it's the family, the, a family is formed every time a marriage is formed, uh, and that's something sacred. And so the appropriate place for it, the most appropriate place for it, is the sacred space, mm-hmm. the place where the community gathers uh, on a regular basis. Uh, you know, the community gathers for that, you know, for, for worship in that sacred space, which has been consecrated, uh, which is the place where the other sacraments all happen. So, so there's, there's an appropriateness to recognizing, you know, marriage is not, it's, you know, um, it's not just an engagement, you know, you can do your engagement on a mountainside, mm-hmm. you know, you can, mm-hmm. you know, pop the question on the beach, <laughs> wherever you want. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, there's something that's happened and the whole church is involved and God himself is involved. So the, the to do it in the sacred space, uh, there's, there's a logic to it. I'm, Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, makes basically. Sense. Now, um, it is. Uh, I think it's also important to recognize that, uh, you know, when we're talking about, um, yeah, when we're talking about m- marriage, there is a sense of I'm I'm entering into something that's greater than myself. It's not just you know. It's actually something from God. This person is a gift from God. The institution of marriage itself was created by God. And so when you when you enter into that in the sacred space. Uh, you're kind of saying that you're acknowledging that there's something very appropriate with that. I just want to on the question mentioned. We can celebrate mass outside. Well, you know, I can't celebrate mass outside of a consecrated place um, for a for for a congregation without the permission of that parish priest, mm. wherever that parish is. Mm. I can't just go out and start doing stuff. I actually need permission. The sacraments are the the church the church hierarchy has a responsibility to protect the sacraments. So if I want to go have mass at a campsite, you know, I have to I have to alert, you know, for a, for a family camp on a weekend, right. I have to alert wherever whatever geo, geological geographical parish. Yeah. I have to alert the parish priest and say, hey, we're having, you know, and if I'm in the diocese, it's no problem. But it's his parish. Yeah. And he has a responsibility to to take to be caretaker of the sacraments there. So it's not just a free for all. Oh, um, the sacraments are connected to the to every you know they're connected much more than just me and just my own little group so so that, that well, I think that's, that's interesting an yeah. yeah I'm glad you clarified that mm-hmm. that's great so you are helping us to learn more about our faith which is also actually the third um, element of the five essential elements for Christian discipleship is there more to that you want to start digging into and then obviously after the break we can talk about it even a bit more. Yeah, so prayer and sacraments was the first essential element. Then mission, we're all called to to be missionaries, the second essential. And then the third is discovery, continuing to learn, continuing to to grow in my knowledge of what God has revealed. That's one of the disciplines in our life that we, we need to be doing that if we want to grow in holiness. Our minds are created for truth, and God has revealed his truth. And so if we want to continue to grow in our knowledge of God 
and our intimacy with God, we have to keep learning. We have to keep opening ourselves. There's always more to discover. What he's revealed about the world, what he's revealed about himself, what he's revealed about human nature, uh, about how to live the happy life, the true life, all these things, you know, to learn, to discover. Uh, it's a way of continuing to grow in our communion with God. That's the important thing. So it's not just learning so can I, I can answer questions on a quiz or a test, right? <laughs> or on a radio show. Or on a radio show. No, no, that's not. It's actually as I, in a sense, as my mind is filled more with truth, I'm actually in greater intimacy with God. Mm. Truth is ultimately a person, God himself, right? So what he's revealed. So if I want to grow in intimacy with God, that's, you know, that's holiness. Learning more, having my mind seek to know him better uh, is essential, essential. Yeah. And there's this great treasure house of incredible 2,000 years of Christian writing and wisdom and art. And there's so much. And we enrich ourselves and we become, and it helps us love God more too, so. That's what we mean by discovery, learning more about our faith. And we've got about a minute and a half or so. Is If somebody wants to start, and I know we'll talk further about this, but if some say, okay, so where do I start? Father Bartunek, what is your thought about that? I would recommend going to the youth catechism, the UCAT. UCAT, okay. UCAT. You can find it everywhere. I think they even have an app for it now, the UCAT. <laughs> oh, it's a question and answer catechism, and it's brilliant. It's so well done. It's just questions. And then you give answers, and it takes you through all the basics of our faith. Uh, and then if you want something even more substantial, you go to the catechism, the universal catechism of the Catholic Church. I knew a guy, a business consultant, Protestant, uh, and a friend of mine gave him a copy of the catechism and said, you should, you know, he had questions about the Catholic faith. You should just read this. He picked it up. He started, he studied it. He started reading it. He became a Catholic within a year. He said, this is incredible. This is the discovery of that truth. Wow. I had all these questions and there are answers. Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. But starting with the UCAT, I think is a good place. I don't and know, that, where would you start? How, and I'm, that's anyway. Y-O-U-C-A-T? Yeah, the Youth Catechism and it's short, U-C-A-T. Y-O-U-C-A-T.org. Okay. There you go. Yeah, so you can, easy place to start. But yes. the Q&A is, is a really, it's a good format. for. That's me. cool. And so we will put that in our show notes, a link to that as well. Thanks for finding that, Craig. So once again, listeners, you are here with Father John Bartunek here in the family room with us, and we were talking about five essential elements for Christian discipleship, and we're digging further into the element of learning more about our faith today, and, and we started with some of the questions from a listener and from some of our listeners as well. Um, so once again, if you have some questions for Father John Bartunek, would you please send them in to us at the family room at thequestatlanta.com. So go to the family room at thequestatlanta.com, send your questions, and we will answer them. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's healthcare services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not healthcare. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. 
Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. We're back in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. Right here on AM 1160, The Quest. Father John Bartunik talking about the five essential elements of Christian discipleship. We have a tradition, Father. We always ask for a family remembering. And you have the distinction of being a repeat guest. So that means we need lots of great family remembrance. Do you have another one you'd like to share? Yeah, I do. I actually have one. I, uh, we're recording this uh, still in the Easter season when we're recording. So uh, Easter's on my mind. In my living room, a lot happened when I was a kid. Our, our, our family room was the same. We only had one, right? Family room there, uh, living room, family room. And uh, we had a collection of books. They were, I can't remember the title of the series, but it was like, it was belonged to my grandmother. Oh. And it was like, a, kind of like an encyclopedia, but it was for kids, but it was old time. So really small print, only <laughs> black and white photos. <laughs> and there were like 15 volumes. And each volume had, uh, had a section with fairy tales, stories for children. Oh. It was my favorite section. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I'm, I went through all of you know, multiple times, all of those, I would pick one. And when no one was home and I had the family room to myself, I would go in there and I, then there were old books, you know, really heavy and kind of dusty and they had that smell. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, and I get it and I would sit on the, on the sofa or in my dad's chair because no one was home. You know, I'd sit in my dad's <laughs> chair and I would open up and I would read these fairy tales. And I just loved those fairy tales, the, the sense of adventure, the sense of good versus evil, the sense of unpredictability. Uh, and I think they really, they really influenced my, um, you know, my worldview. 
And then later on, when I became a, a fan of Tolkien and mm. the Narnia Chronicles from C.S. Lewis and some of the other great uh, Catholic storytellers and Christian storytellers, uh, I, I began to realize or they often would talk about how the fairy tales are kind of like myths. And the myths are kind of like the subconscious of the hu of human nature in a fallen world, reaching out and kind of intuiting certain truths. And in Christ, in the resurrection, all the fairy tales come true. Oh, it's yeah. the true victory. Yeah. It, you know, live happily ever after. You know, he's got it. Yeah. And we're with him. And we have that to look forward to. So that's a that's a neat family room memory. I still I can still picture all those books and the way they smelled and just loving those fairy tales. And they're all true. Good does triumph. Yeah. Only you would tie the fairy tales back to Christ. That's impressive. <laughs> I love that. that really is impressive. Speaking of fairy tales, um, you know, as we talk about growing in our faith, I think a lot of people um, think the faith can be like a fairy tale, like none of this is true or whatever. But I also think there's a lot of confusion, you know, out there. As you're trying to learn your faith, you talk to one priest, they say one thing. You talk to another priest, they say another thing. You hear what's going on in Europe with the German bishops, and you're going down a whole nother path. So how do you learn your faith in the context of all of that confusion? And how do you, how do you understand the truth in the midst of all of that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it ties in. It kind of combines a couple of different questions we got from some of the listeners. Uh, so, and, and I just want to state the, the paradox again. Uh, so we believe that the Holy Spirit guides, protects the deposit of faith, protects the revelation, the truth um, of, of the gospel, and the church teaches it faithfully in every generation under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And yet, when I look at some of the authorities of the church, uh, bishops, cardinals, they seem to disagree about some very important things. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> some moral issues sometimes, um, some church discipline issues, sacramental things. So what's going on with that? And it can make people doubt that there is truth, right? Yeah. When it happens that way. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so two thoughts. Okay. Uh, and, and it really is, I wanted to just restate the problem because I, no, I, I think great. it's really, it, it is, it weighs on people. It weighs on us as Catholics. And um, so, first of all, two comments, and then maybe hear some of your thoughts as well. But one is, it's always been like this. Mm. There's always been contentions within the church. Always. Since the Acts of the Apostles. Right. Mm -hmm. The letters of St. Paul. There's so this this contention, this argument, people within the church disagreeing and the enemy at work in there and confusion. And, uh, you know, so so it's nothing new. And yet and yet 2000 years later, what's in the catechism today was in the catechism at the Council of Trent is in the church father's writings in the first three centuries. Like there ha God has been faithful. Mm -hmm. The, the, the faith and morals and the essence of, of, of what we believe and what he's revealed, it has, it, he, he's faithfully transmitted it, uh, you know, kind of generation after generation. So, so it's nothing new, so it's always been an issue. Um, and then how do we understand it? Uh, I think it's really important, and this ties in very much, this third essential element of growing in, our, of growing in holiness, discovering, learning, constantly learning. We can learn... Uh, we can learn to discern, um, and there's different types of issues. 
there's essential issues and then there's non-essential issues. And we can actually, you know, if we know the catechism, uh, <laughs> we can actually say when, when my priest is wrong. Mm. <laughs> I can actually say, oh, no, if I'm a Protestant, I can't say that. I never know when my pastor's wrong or not. Because there's no, there's no official presentation of the right. essential doctrine. Where the catechism, for us, the universal catechism, that's an, that's an official, this is what we believe. Now, the way we express certain things changes and as culture changes and new issues come up, um, you know, like uh, cloning, artificial intelligence. These are new issues that they didn't have to deal with 500 years ago, right? right. So what's the morality there? So, so <clears throat> things do change, but the faith itself is clear. So if, uh, if I hear my priest or my bishop um, say, you know, the Christ's resurrection, it was just a symbol. He didn't actually rise from the dead, but he had inspired his disciples so much that they, they believed that he had risen from the dead, but he didn't actually rise from the dead. If I hear my mm -hmm. bishop say that, I can check with the catechism and say, oh, no, actually, that's not the Catholic faith. Yeah. You yeah. know, Your Excellency, you know, this is actually what the Catholic faith is. You know, he did rise from the dead, really. Yeah. with his body and everything. You know? <laughs> so, so there, is, there are, I think, and that's why we have to keep studying. We want to learn. We want to learn and we want to, we want to be grounded uh, in what we Now, I said I was going to give, give two thoughts, but I'm going to give a third here. <laughs> it's very important that we remember that learning and studying is only one of the five essential elements. Mm. Because as St. Uh, Padre Pio said, the devil knows how to confuse even very intelligent people. And all the great heretics in the history of the church, right. priests in their 40s. Wow. They were priests in their 40s. Guys who were really gifted, had had a lot of a success, and they ended up going off the rails. And they were very learned. And very learned, right? Yeah. And they go off the rails, right? So this has been, and so my point is, we, we can't just use our brains and think we can figure God out. We got to be praying. We got to be growing in virtue. We've got to be engaging in our mission. We have to be like four-wheel drive Christians, four-wheel drive Catholics. We've got to be, you know, doing all this so that we stay healthy, so that we stay, you know, we don't get like, uh, you know, what do they call those people with the big heads, you know? I don't know what you call it. Craig. So we stay balanced as Christians. Uh, when we depend too much on, on, on any one of those and we, we don't keep the others healthy, that's when we can go off, you know, we can go off a little bit or, or our progress can be impeded. So those are my thoughts. I don't know what well, you want. Well, one of the things you said that did strike me was you said, if your priest says something and he, you can say that he is wrong, like what you said in that was, there are times when our priests are wrong. Oh, yeah. No, no individual, um, you know, bishop or priest has the, you know, the guarantee that he will be infallible, right? Mm. The papal magisterium, when the Pope speaks officially with his magisterial authority, um, he he has the, the charismatic infallibility. He's not going to say something that's wrong in faith and morals. We can count on that. And that's only happened how many times in church history? Like yeah, that, five or seven or yeah, something? Yeah, just a few. I don't know the exact number, right? But yeah. to define the dogma of the assumption, you know, right. or that kind of thing. So right. um, now all the bishops together teaching with the Pope, uh, when they pronounce on issues of faith and morals and that universal teaching, that also shares in the charism of infallibility. Okay. But your individual bishop or your individual priest, you, you don't. You don't share in it. You can you can become a heretic. You know? yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. it, it's so important for us to hear that because it puts more pressure on us 
as lay Catholics to know our faith. Oh, yeah. Right? Because right. I, I think right. we depend too much on, oh, the priest knows it all. The priest can do it all. The priest is responsible for it all. And we are responsible for it as well. And we're helping him mm-hmm. continue mm-hmm. to be faithful. And I, I loved what you mentioned about how the Holy Spirit protects the deposit of faith. That's just a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's interesting. When you talk about that, there's a couple things that come to mind. You do get the people that say, well, it's a bunch of old guys that wrote the catechism. It's not relevant today. And then you get the people that say, I don't believe that's right. I think in a lot of cases, what well, we get going back to your virtue, right? Humbly, even if you don't agree, humbly sitting with God in prayer mm-hmm. and saying, I don't know that I get this. I don't know that I believe that. I don't think God cares if you ask a question. I don't think God says, you know, believe blindly so much as it is fine, ask, learn, seek, but then be humble enough to say, you know what? I don't quite get this in my humanity. Love is love. It shouldn't matter that these two men want to be together and blah, 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 blah. But the church is hateful. It's terrible. Read what it says and then sit back and say, all right, Lord, I don't understand it. Thank God we have a Father Bartunic on our show that can explain it or another priest. But here's where the confusion comes in. It's like, well, what priest do I go to? Because I'm not sure that one's going to be, you know, orthodox, if that's the right word, and teach me the truth. Well, if I learn the catechism and I find that person that I can talk, doesn't have to be a priest either, can be a lay person, right? I just think we we need to tie it all together, as you said, Father, and pray, learn, be humble and say, you know, Lord, teach me because so much I think I know until somebody asks me that fundamental question and you're like, I've got no idea how to answer that question, right? Yeah. So it's more of a statement than a question, but I think it goes back to, you know, what you were saying of just sitting in it and trying to mm-hmm. understand it. And you But know. your point, Craig, is sit in it, try to understand it, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, like Correct. turning it over to God, because I can sit in it and try to understand it by reading all kinds of secular sources or listening to all the different secular views on things. And that's not going to get me to the truth mm-hmm. because you said before, Father, the truth is not a thing. It's a person yeah, and the truth. Sure. Right. Yeah. I, 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 that's what this, this third discipline of discovery, right? Continuing to learn. It requires humility. I have to admit that, wow, I don't know everything. And and uh, and the attitude when there's something that's difficult for me to understand, um, the attitude to keep looking. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to try to understand that. Yeah. Uh, and not not to be afraid of that. Right. Um, I think in in that area on some of these tougher issues, sometimes it's very useful to keep to make a distinction between um, prudence, pastoral prudence, and doctrine, dogma. Uh, you know, the doctrine is is often clear. And there can be different ways of explaining it or different opinions on the timing in which I should explain it. You know, the, the famous image of you don't water your flower garden with a fire hose. Mm. You know, it's like <laughs> it needs water, right? But it probably a fire hose isn't going to do much for it. It's yeah, going to like no. damage. It's going to like. So the truth, everything, you know, you don't bash someone over the head with a catechism. Uh, you know, if but we we have to, you know, we have to understand um, kind of have to go little by little, understand and explain. Uh, and, and there can be different opinions about when it's right to say this. Uh, some priests will have different opinions about what types of things they're going to talk about in their homilies. Mm. And some are say, I'm going to talk about the biggest hot button issue and I'm going to, you know, black or white and you're going to go to hell. And uh, if you don't believe this and, and others will say, no, I would never say that. You know, 
I think there, there's other forums where I would say that, but in the homily, I would say it's a diff different way, different pastoral approaches, right? Mm. So I think it's important for us to respect that, to understand that, um, but to but but to be convinced, right? To believe that there is there is true doctrine, uh, and we can find it and we can understand it. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're uh, in the family room, and we're talking with Father Bartunik. We're talking about growing in our faith. Um, Father, if I could back us up to one thing. You, you talked about the truth, um, and I want to kind of challenge us a little bit, maybe, as, as Catholics, or, or, or fairly well-formed Catholics, and ask this question, um, because as I engage different folks, to be, we talk about in, in business or in just regular conversation about being intellectually honest, right? And I and and I would say there's an element of spiritual honesty. And and so um I'll pick um let's pick a contraception as an example because it's a it can be a, a a controversial topic. The question to be spiritually honest is do I, am I really challenging what the church is teaching because I think it's wrong? Or is my challenge that it just doesn't meet what I want to do the way I want to live? And to really, Craig, to get to your point about I, I want to sit in it and study it and really understand it, you got to decide, do I really want to understand it <laughs> or do I want to find enough things to poke holes in that I can dismiss it from my set of standards, right? So I think there's an element of, I don't know if spiritual honesty is, mm. is the right terminology, but if you think about like the Scott Hans and people who set out to debunk the Catholic faith. And then, as you said, Father, went back, back and back and back. The farther back they got, the tougher it got to be to say this can't be right. So I, I, I would challenge us to, mm -hmm. to say, hey, are we there's intellectual honesty when you're engaging in debate. There's also a spiritual honesty when you're trying to understand what the church is teaching and whether we want to really understand it. That, that's a great point. There's a there's a famous um book called Transformation in Christ by uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand. Mm. It's, it's one of these classics of Catholic spirituality. And the whole first chapter or first part of the book is the most essential characteristic uh, uh, that, that we need in order to be transformed into Christ to grow in holiness is willingness to change. Mm. Willingness to change. Mm. Yeah. Am I really willing? Okay, Lord. Yeah, tell me. I really do want to know your will. Really? That willingness to change. I think that's your spiritual honesty is a neat phrase. I think it refers to like, yeah, it's it's more willingness to change. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, am I really willing to, to change? Like St. Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right. But right. Not, yeah. Yet. not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's interesting, though, if you don't mind, I think it ties to a question somebody asked. So if, if we can tie these together, uh, one of our listeners said, you know, Jesus was so kind to sinners, right? But he called the Pharisees' names. <sighs> and told them that they would die in their sin. Why was he not kind to them or try to lead them to the truth? I think this parallels exactly yeah, what Jack said. Right. But could yeah. you answer that question more directly? Absolutely. This is a great question. Um, Jesus did try to lead them to the truth, and he was kind to them. Go back to your Gospels. When, in the course of Jesus' ministry, did he call the Pharisees whited sepulchers, brood of vipers? Wasn't the first time he talked to them. Mm. If you go back and you read through the Gospels, he's having dinner with them. He's meeting with them. He's debating with them. He's constantly telling them parables. He's constantly... And some of them start to get it, and they come in secret, and they meet and with they them. Like and they like Nicodemus, you know, right? Yeah, like yeah. Nicodemus. Yeah. But 
for the ones who aren't, who are stubborn, mm. who are refusing to receive the gift. Who are spiritually dishonest, who right? Who are spiritually dis- Yeah. At the end, he's, he's trying to shake them up. Yeah. And he says, okay, I've tried all these other things. I need to really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really shake them up. You whited sepulchers. You brood of vipers. Wow. You know, so he, he, it was, it, it was a different tactic at different times. Sure. So, and I think, so in the end, sometimes kindness is trying to shake someone up. Right. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we have to do that. Yeah, real love. Yeah. Real love. Try, you know, saying the hard truth. Right. Uh, and, and he didn't, he didn't start with that. He didn't start there. And I think that's important to, to, to remember. Yeah. To remember. Yeah. That's a really good point. That is a great and like point. Like you said, John, they weren't really trying to learn, right? They were trying to catch yeah. him up. They were trying to prove him wrong. Well, and- they thought they already knew. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. humble enough to say I may, right. there may be right. something different because I've got it all figured out, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. difference between because um, if you if you if you go with the timing concept, it's a really good point because we started talking uh, at one point about um, the 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 apostles right before um, the ascension, right? That that they worshipped but they doubted, and what a difference mm-hmm. between the Pharisees who had their doubts, but were not like it was, there was no, there was no expectation of reverence or whatever. It was like, nope, can't be there. There's no doubt here. I'm right. Mm -hmm. Right. It it was back to that intellectual, right? Yeah. I know it all. I learned it all, but I'm not open to God's Mm -hmm. calling me to Mm -hmm. something deeper Mm -hmm. other than Nicodemus or, you know, whomever Mm -hmm. else was like, Mm -hmm. okay, something's different here. Something stirred inside of me. Maybe I better pay attention. Yeah, so it makes me think of the Holy Spirit, right? And we've talked in the last show, we talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. If you are open, the Holy Spirit's going to come and bring you the truth, right? So I'm thinking of the Holy Spirit was there, even though we talk about the Holy Spirit um, came at Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit was actually there as well, because the whole Trinity was there from the very beginning. And so if those Pharisees and Sadducees, some of them had been able to say, honestly, okay, I'm opening myself up. The Holy Spirit could have done a work in their heart. And I think that like Nicodemus, you Mm -hmm. know, I think he, Nicodemus at the end of Jesus' life, I mean, he was the one who gave the money for the the, um, ointments and the oils and everything for Jesus' body at the end of his death. Obviously he, there was a change of heart there. There was a metanoia that happened for him. And I've got Mm -hmm. to think that he had opened himself up and the Holy Spirit did come and, Mm -hmm. um, and make some changes there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, God is always at work, and He's always looking for openings. Yeah. I think we have to be. We have to be on this this topic. I think it's it's good to be reminded that we have to be careful about something else. Jesus said to all of us: "Do not judge, right? Mm. Lest you be judged, right? Yeah. Um, love your neighbors yourself, right? Do unto others as you would have them." And God is so patient with everybody. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So uh, I think as we, it's easy for us to become frustrated with people who um, continue to spread what's not true, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. false doctrine, uh, or people who do things that cause damage and we see it, but they don't. And um, But at the same, I, I would invite all of us and all our listeners to do a little mental experiment. Think of yourself 10 years ago. And, you know, you knew less, you had less life experience, uh, you know, and, and you if you could go back with the same knowledge and wisdom you have now, you'd probably do some things a little bit differently. You know, it might, might look a little bit different, right? Well, you are here at this point 
but 10 years from now, you'll say the same thing about yourself now, <laughs> right? So we're all works in progress. Yeah. And it's important to keep that in mind. You yeah. know I mean, we're so to, to stay, to stay humble, to stay merciful, to trust that God knows what he's doing, to do my part. Um, but we never have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, look at your last, our last segment was on mission. It's on learning our faith now, right? And I think a part of that is learning the faith living it ourselves, help mission, helping call other people to live it. That doesn't mean I'm judging them, though. You know, it's too often we hide behind do not judge and say, well, I can't say anything because if somebody's living in sin, lovingly, kindly, as you say, don't hit them with a fire hose, you know, get to know them, spend some time, but call them to the truth. And like the Pharisees, if they're willing to be intellectually and spiritually open, God willing, the Holy Spirit enters in and says, yeah, you know what? I can't keep cheating on my wife. I can't keep doing that. You're right. I didn't judge your reasons. I didn't say you're going to hell because of, but I do think knowing our faith gives us the ability to stand in the truth and say, I just want to shine a little light on something for you. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to hide behind the do not judge thing and make it an excuse for cowardice because right? <laughs> we are called to bear witness. Right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a good point. Yeah. Well, I think it goes to another question that came from one of our listeners that I think is an important one is in this culture, right? How do we not keep our lamp under a basket? How do we share our faith with unbelievers? And sometimes sharing our faith means sharing the truths of our faith, which may be uncomfortable for some people who are not believers. Um, and then I get, I get confused a little bit with this father sometimes about we're supposed to call fellow Christians back into alignment with what scripture teaches, but who, those who aren't fellow Christians, is, is it different for them? Do we have a different response for them? Uh, I think the truth stays the same, right? Right. The the abundant life that Christ came to give us, the path to that is the same for every human being. Yeah. Um, what we say to a certain person in a certain moment, uh, in order to maybe help help them know that and help them bring bring them a, a step closer to God, what we say depends on on where they are mm-hmm. and our relationship with them. Our, right? Definitely our relationship with them and yeah. where they are. Right. So, yeah. uh, and there's a lot of one of the virtues that the unsung virtues. Uh, these days anyway, is the virtue of prudence, which is yeah. knowing uh, prudence is the virtue. It's, it's like the de- developing the ability to choose the best means to achieve a good end. Mm. Uh, and so how to talk about it, when to talk about it. Um, you know, the, that's why all these five go together. You know, if I'm in fellowship and I have meaningful relationships built around the faith, then I can get advice and get other, you know, I can get other opinions on certain things and I become wiser because of them. If I'm praying, I, I get to know God's voice better. So I'm more docile in the moment when difficult things. And I, I you know the gift of counsel may kick in. I'll know what to say when I'm trying to bear witness. So they all go together, I think. Well, good. That's a good place to end. Father, would you please close us out with a blessing? Gladly. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father John Bartunek. Please join us again here next week in the Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.